Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. Amen. We're glad we're here, too. What a powerful night last night. Amen. I already have ideas for my city to bring the culture together. Amen. So we are pastors Chuck and Paris Maine from only in New York. And we're going to share our journey. This is a tough one because it's been a tough journey with not much opposition. Believe it or not. <laughs> so we're, we're beating our heads against the wall for a whole week going, we really haven't had any opposition. Because we come from a small town, and my wife's related to all the African Americans there, and I'm related to the other half of the people in Olean. So, it, it, it was, but through our ministry, as time went on, we found hidden prejudices that shocked us from certain people that we wouldn't even think were that way. So, where are we going to begin? The birthing of our church, we knew we were called to have a church, and uh, we were being groomed for that. And uh, we were groomed by my wife's cousin, uh, Reverend Stanley Parks, which is uh, my spiritual father, and when I was a baby Christian, you know, God used him to take the rough edges off me because I was pretty rough. You know, I came from the streets, from the world, and violence and all that, so, and then, uh, he linked me with Pastor Parks, so the church was a block from my house, which used to be a former bowling alley and tavern I used to drink in. So now I went there and I'm drinking something else. Amen? Well, anyway, they come from the family background where you don't, we didn't seem prejudiced, but you didn't really intermarry. Amen? <laughs> That's what we were kind of taught. And uh, needless to say, my spiritual father was an African-American, and God used him to shape me, and he was a man with a lot of love and forgiveness, and, and this type of guy, he could stick a hot poker in his eye, and he said, I love you. And I used to say, like, what is up with that? Kind of, you know, the first day I visited the church, he hugged me, and I'm like, listen, man, we don't do hugs here, but every Sunday, and then I had a breakthrough. <laughs> but needless to say, then I married his cousin, so... So that was the true test of who love to in the church. Amen? So, let me keep going in. So we were birthing our church. We were, uh, unfortunately, he left and moved on, and uh, we were seeking ordination credentials, and we found out about CMI, and contacted Dennis, and he linked me with Pastor Ron Lemon. We went to school together. And, uh, so it was that day that we were invited out to share at Pastor Ron's church picnic out in the field. A little keyboard and really not much because it was out in the country. An outdoor picnic. So on the way home, I said to my wife, it's time to burst the church. And she said, well, we don't even have a worship team. I said, well, you can sing. You can sing and... Uh, now we have children that can sing and play keyboards and drums, so God has blessed us through the 10 years, you know that? So that was when we decided we're going to step out. And I've had a heart for this church building in our city, a little old, because I'm a little old-fashioned, I'm a little backwoods guy. So I like this little white church on the corner, and it's a former AME church that was closed down. 
wooden floors, just like the Jesus Street. And we're waiting for a breakout in there. We still pray in there, even though God blessed us with a huge building. And the building God did bless us with, I didn't have to do any work to. Because the city school put two and a half million bucks into it. And then gave it to us. While they didn't give it, we bought it. And somebody supernaturally gave us the money in full to pay for the building. Because they liked what we were doing over in our little church. Which uh, is in the worst part of town, according to only All the pastors would call us, Why are you going down there? That's the worst part of only You can't go down there at night. I said, Well, I can. <laughs> you know, because I used to hang with those guys, you know. See, God took things from the world that I did, turned it to good, and I'm like, They're all my friends. You know, and uh, and it's, it's, that's where the African Americans all live, mainly throughout the city. And uh, it was quite, it's quite the street. And uh, but that's where we went. And I told my wife, I said, I took her for a ride. I go, that's the place. And she's like, no, we're not going there. I said, yeah, that's the church. That's where God told me, and that's where we're going. It's one square building with a basement and a bathroom. We don't have to do no work. Let's just go in there and. Start singing with an iPod and see what God would do. So I knew the guy that owned the building and he let us in there. Ended up selling it to us. Cheap. So I'm going to let my wife go on for a second. A little bit here. But that's where the Lord placed us. The AME Church. It was the first African American church planted in the city of Olean. People used to meet in homes. And that was the first founded church in the late 1800s. Uh, matter of fact, it burnt down three three times. It was in different locations, and that was the last spot. So that is where we got birthed. So I'm just going to go back just a little bit. Well, that's loud. But um, one of the things we did before we married is that my thing is that I will never marry a white man. And I clearly declared that in my church. So if a single white guy comes in, I said to the ladies, don't worry. <laughs> I don't want him. You don't have to worry. So when my husband went to my cousins to say, I'm going to, you know, Paris and I would like to date, and he was like, are you sure? <laughs> it needless to say, he said he knew that that was God for us. And as a result, we are together. And we really, we didn't have any problems uh, birthing a church or any racism as we birthed the church. That didn't happen for us because it is a small town and we were related to everyone. Matter of fact, we got the blessings of the Catholic Church. The nuns continue to pray for us. Because whenever you buy a school building, it has to go back up to the city to vote for you. And the city voted in our favor. So God's favor was upon that particular move. Amen? And we were pleased by that. But as we go to birth the little church, because we still have it, um, I drive down there and, he, you know, this is the building that he wants. And I'm like, absolutely not. I will not go in there. I don't want to be in that little tiny church. And um, I drove away and I said to the Lord, Lord, if, if this is really what my husband wants and this is something that you have for us, show me. Give me a vision of that place. And as I drove around, I drove past the building and there was a young lady outside with a baby. And a woman hollers out the door and she says, why don't you put shoes and a coat on that baby? And she says, I would if I had them. I immediately pulled over and began to talk to them because at the time my youngest son was just two. So I had all kinds of clothes to give the baby and I went back and 
sat and ministered to that family, and I realized that that was the place that God truly wanted us to be. See, it can't just be one of us. It has to be two of us. We have to be in unity in each and everything that we do. Amen? And so, you know, we begin to go down there, and God begins to do things in that building, and we immediately became a multicultural church instantaneously without even realizing it. We had a Spanish culture. We had uh, Indian culture, and it was just kind of grooving. And and, uh, when we went to the other building, things changed a little bit because, you know, people like it when it's small. They don't like it when you begin to grow because people like things to stay the same. But we serve a God who says change is necessary. Amen? Change is necessary in order for us to become the body of Christ that He desires for us to be. Amen? Amen. Come on. Well, when we do go over to the big church, of course, we thought automatically, oh, wow, we got, God gave us this huge building. Now we're going to have a huge congregation. Well, it didn't work. And actually, we're not a big church. We're just a powerful church. A church saturated in prayer, signs, wonders, and miracles. And, uh, you know, we believe in the supernatural, of course. That's why I'm still alive, supernaturally. But, uh, God is really doing some things in that church, and, uh, you know, it kind of hurts. For a long time, I'm like, well, this is, we're not even growing. Are we doing stuff wrong and all that? And, of course, you know, you get a prophet come through, and they reinstate us, you know, give us the words, keep us encouraged. And we just had one a couple weeks ago, you know, legit ones, and uh, still keeps us going. But uh, we're a little off track now. But anyway, when we got there, you know, we probably have 40, 50 people in our church. We thought by now we'd have a thousand people. In but you know, in, in our church, we are considered uh, the beacon, the light of the city. You know, the mayor and the, all of that have given us kind of the keys to the city. And you know, we, we do a lot for the community, and with no discrimination and uh, drug dealers and. We don't care who you are. You know, they need saved, too. And, uh, you know, we just had a book bag giveaway, and uh, a lady was mad, a white lady. She ran out of book bags before we got there. She left this message on her machine. She said all kinds of custom words, words I used to use all the time, you know. And call us names, and you're giving drug dealers and book bags, and they don't need them. I said, well, we're giving to the kids. They're kids, they so, anyway, my wife graciously went down and gave the lady some book bags. You know, we wanted to say, hey, you, how dare you come to this free event and get it. you got to have some grace, I guess. You know, but uh, it, it was just amazing. But to go on against our opposition, outside of our family opposition, but uh, we'll say that for a family day. But uh, we really didn't have opposition, like, oh, you're, you know, you shouldn't birth a church, you shouldn't be married, and all that. And so bottom line is, people that were already coming to the church, we didn't realize were prejudiced, that was hidden. And as they got more comfortable with us, and we had this old guy, he's an old country guy, big, burly dude, and he was prejudiced against probably everything that moved. I don't even think it was just color. It was anything that he didn't think was right. <laughs> he didn't like women at the pulpit. And 
all of this stuff. But he came to our church broken, and uh, my wife threw a birthday party for his wife, and they were only at our church for a week. And that kind of blessed him. But he would say, I cannot believe I come to this church. I would never believe in a millionaire for that. First of all, come to a church that he passes, because he knew my old days, and a woman, an African-American, to boot. He said, I'd have never even drove by a place like that, and now I, I come here. He's been there for eight years. <laughs> well, he began because we do a lot for kids, and we've had a lot of broken families, and there are a lot of kids without parents. And he's been around, he's adopted them verbally as, I'm your grandpa. And he fell in love with all the African-American kids for sure. You know, and I, you know, he just bent over backwards to help. And not even kids, adults. And uh, he just got changed. And he'll, he'll still say it. It means, can't believe it. That I, I'm so happy I stuck around. I can't believe that these two are my pastors. You know, but I knew he was prejudiced because I've heard things out of his mouth years before that. So I was kind of shocked he came anyway because I knew he didn't like women preachers, and I know he wasn't too keen on African Americans. And the reason why I keep saying that is because you know only in this we don't have a whole diversity of different ethnic groups. And uh, so he wasn't really opposition. He voiced his opinion, and God broke his heart, and he weeps and cries, and he, that's just, that's amazing. But where we are shocked, we spent a week with the N-word. <laughs> From, as we call it, we spent a week with the N-word. It was an interesting week. We uh, were invited over to the parishioner's house to have coffee and Danish and we get there, and there's this particular book on oil. Olean is really big on oil. Um, just pray that God starts fracking in that area. Amen? <clears throat> but um, what had happened was we were sitting there, and we're looking through this book, and there's a particular name, and the, the N-word was in the name. So the wife begins to say the name, and she says it two or three times. And she says, you know, I really like saying that word. And we're like, okay. <laughs> you know, because you really don't know how people are really feeling. Everybody's perspective is, is the same. And so we're listening to her. See, you have to not be offended that someone uses the word, but find out why that person's desiring to use that word. And so we continue to listen, and she says, you know, my mother liked that word, too. So we know that it is, it's, it's generational. It's something that's taught. It's not generally taught. And we understand that. And so we allow them to go on, you know, and they have a, a, a biracial grandson that lives with them. They have adopted African-American kids. So this really isn't a word that should be used in their house. But for some reason, they choose to do that. So we leave them, and um, they're no longer with us, praise God. And so um, <laughs> we move on to another lovely couple. It's all in the same week, and we're out to um, lunch with them, and they're talking. And listen, this man is not prejudiced. But he was telling us a story about the N-word and how he was supporting his black friends. And he kept using the N-word, and I'm thinking, what's going on here, Lord? <laughs> you know, what is it? What are you trying to say to me? Because initially, I'm, I'm angry, right? It's normal. It's uncomfortable. It's all of those things that it should be. And um, 
I'm watching his wife, because I'm about to correct him, but I'm watching his wife, and she is considerably uncomfortable. She realizes what her husband's doing. So do I humiliate him even more, or do I allow her to do it behind closed doors? You see, you see, because I see she understands what's going on. She's, she's seeing our uncomfortableness. You see, our first thing that we want to do is count on somebody for what they choose to say. But see, with age comes wisdom, because I'm sure if I was younger, I would have blown them up. But because I'm older, because I'm older, I understand the patience in waiting and really listening and hearing what somebody's really saying and where it's coming from. So I knew she was going to take care of him. They are a lovely couple, and they are still at our church. Praise God. You're operating in all of their gifts, and, and we love them. That was not his intent, and, and, and I can say that clearly now, but as I went home, I looked at my husband, and I'm like, well, you know, I don't think I'm really liking white people this week. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm having a little bit of issue here. <laughs> but you know what? When we pray things through, when we keep our hearts open, and when we listen, because if you really listen to people, they will tell you exactly what it is that they're feeling. That is the most important thing. You have to hear them. If you hear exactly what it is that they're saying, and then you can move on. And you, then you can discern what it is that where they're at, what they need, and what you need to do to help them come to a better place. See, if we don't, if we don't listen, and if we don't open our hearts, if our hearts are closed because, you know, I've heard the N-word so much that, you know, I'm angry whenever anybody says it. If I take that mentality or that perspective, then I can't minister to them properly. Because everybody desires and needs to be ministered, but we have to be able to meet them where they're at. So, I, I can think of some more. <laughs> but you know what? It's been a wonderful journey. And even as I look out here, I, I, I dare you to just open your hearts to receive different types of people. One of the things, we were so blessed last night by, um, oh gosh, this is a young man. Let me get this folks, doctor. Right here. Yeah. Oh, Ireland. That's not here. Ireland. And, um, no, it's not. And, um, um, one of the things we, um, went home thinking about is can we sing some Spanish music? Because we used to before, we had a, an Indian guy from India, and we would sing Indian music, and we would mix the two. And we remembered how awesome that was. And now, you know, we may not have those people in our church now, but can we not create that atmosphere now? Can we not go back and do that and begin to pray for God to send that influx of people, but ask Him to prepare our hearts for the different cultures that He desires to send our way? You know, that He would that He could change our hearts. See, because He can't send you people when you're not ready to receive them. Do you know what I mean? If my heart is, is if my heart is angry and, and it's bitter from things that um, Caucasian people have done to me, well then I can't receive them properly. Right? And I didn't come from that background. I'm going to tell you the truth. I didn't come from a background where I was deeply wounded. And a lot of people do come from a background where they've been deeply wounded. That was not my case. I didn't have any issues that really hindered me in that area. So I could say that I could see things a little bit differently and more clearly. Sometimes we have to have God come in and change that. But that didn't have to happen to me because my family was multicultural. We was, I'm from New Jersey originally. But I live in upstate New York, and that's where my mother and father were raised. And so, in that area, it's totally different. There are a lot of mixed kids. It's like I, I always say, they must have been the first state, you know, the first city to ever have 
so many. Because it, it's unusual to see a full black person in Oleander because everybody's mixed. So with that in mind, it makes some things that we do a little differently. But at the same time, we, we have boys that we are raising, and we raise them to be black men. And people always want, what do you do with your kids? They're black boys. And I tell them that. We don't, and see, people, a lot of people say, how can you do that? And the first thing that came to our mind was our discussion when the whole Trayvon Martin thing went on. They need to know their place. That doesn't mean we don't honor dad. Because dad is everything. Dad gives us our identity. Dad's the one who takes us shopping. Dad's the one who loves us. Dad's the one who plays basketball with us. Dad's the man. And we honor dad for who he is. But at the same time, I raise, we raise them to be black. Because society is not going to, and everybody feels differently, society is not going to look at them and see their white father walking down the street with them. They're going to have to identify with something. So we identify as an African-American family. Well, next, but. Now <laughs> next. But you know what? Kids don't know that. They really don't. We were driving down the road one time, and my little one, River, looked at Dad, and he says, Dad, are you black like us? And all we could do was laugh. You see the innocence in that. There's innocence in that. Kids don't know that. So what we teach them, and see, we have to teach them something. We teach them about God. Why don't we teach them about racial diversity? Why don't we do that? Because God's clear about that in His Word. But in ending, you know, I always go back to Moses, and his wife was a Ethiopian, so I always say she was an African. And I told the congregation the story about how Miriam was complaining about Moses to his wife, and God gave him leprosy, so that'll help your congregation get straight quick. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. <laughs>